Hello, my friends, and thank you for joining me once again for a little Black History moment with Bo. And as we slip into darkness today, we realize that you have to know your oppressor and the nature of his oppression and what you did about it. We have the longest revolutionary heritage of any people on the face of this earth. We have fought longer and harder and against greater odds than any race of people on the face of this earth. And we will not stop and we will not give up. We will continue to walk these streets of history's darkness until we find the topic that we can grasp and bring to the light. A little known topic that should have been exposed to us decades ago in our public school system. So today, my friends, I'm gonna tell you about when the youth of Birmingham marched for justice. Facing a dwindling movement in Alabama, civil rights leaders recruited black students to revive the march to end segregation. Toward the end of April 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King and fellow leaders in the civil rights movement faced a grim reality in Birmingham, Alabama. With diminished support and fewer volunteers, their campaign to end segregationist policies was teetering on failure. But when an unorthodox plan to recruit black children to march was implemented, the movement reversed itself, reinvigorating the fight for racial equality in what became known as the Children's Crusade. King had traveled to Birmingham in the spring of 1963, along with Southern Christian Leadership Conference co-founder, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, hoping to sure up resistance against segregation in the state. The pair partnered with the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights, a local civil rights organization led by Fred Shuttlesworth, a prominent minister and activist. But the Alabama movement was fresh off a failed attempt to end segregation in Albany, Georgia. Overall, fewer people were attending meetings, sit-in, and marches. After King was arrested and confined to a jail cell, where he wrote his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, he knew, along with other activists, that a new strategy was essential if the campaign were to succeed. A number of adults who were willing to volunteer to get arrested had steadily dwindled those last two weeks of April, and it looked like the movement was about to fall apart. James Bevel, a member of the SCLC, came up with an idea to include school-aged children in protests 
to help desegregate Birmingham. The strategy involved recruiting popular teenagers from black high schools, such as the quarterbacks and cheerleaders who could influence their classmates to attend meetings with them at black churches in Birmingham to learn about the nonviolent movement. There was also an economic reason to have children participate since adults risk being fired from their jobs for missing work and protesting. Janice Kelsey was 15 when she attended her first meeting for the Children's Crusade. I knew what segregation was and separation, but I didn't understand the extent or the level of the inequalities in that separation. She stated, Kelsey, a Birmingham native who wrote about her experiences in the movement in her 2017 memoir, I Woke Up With My Mind on Freedom. Bevel posed questions to students who discovered that hand-me-down books and football helmets were not what white students use nor was there just one typewriter in the entire school like black students had, but rooms with typewriters at the white schools, said Kelsey, things like that became personal to me, and I decided I wanted to do something about it. King, along with other activists and members in the black community, was adamantly opposed to involving children in marches because of the threats to violence from white mobs, as well as from policemen led by Eugene Bull Connor, the commissioner of public safety in Birmingham, notorious for his racist policies. Bevel, undeterred, told the children to gather at the 16th Street Baptist Church on May the 2nd, 1963. More than 1,000 students skipped school to participate in the protest. The youth, ranging from age seven to 18, held picket signs and marched in groups of 10 to 50, singing freedom songs. We were told what to expect, says Kelsey. We even saw some film strips of people who had sat at lunch counters and were spit on and pushed and all of that. We were told that if you decide to participate, that this is a nonviolent movement, so you can't fight back. The demonstrators had several destinations. Some went to City Hall, others went to lunch counters or the downtown shopping district. They marched daily for almost a week. It was well thought out, says Vicki Crawford, director of the Morehouse College Martin Luther King Jr. Collection. It was not just a bunch of people calling up to meet downtown. There was mobilization and organization following King's six steps on nonviolence to bring about social change. As the children bravely took to the streets, the Birmingham police were waiting to arrest them, putting them in paddy wagons and school buses. Kelsey said she was arrested on her first day marching and remained in jail for four days. The sight of young people peacefully protesting reinvigorated the Birmingham movement.
and throngs of people started attending the meetings again and joining the demonstration. King changed his mind as well about the effectiveness of the children's crusade. Although the police were mostly restrained the first day, that did not continue. Law enforcement brought out water hoses and police dogs. Television crews and newspapers filmed the young demonstrators getting arrested and hosed down by the Birmingham police, causing national outrage. More than 2,000 children were reportedly arrested during the days-long protests. They had locked up as many people as they could possibly lock up, and they couldn't control it anymore. And that's what broke the back of segregation, says Eskew, a civil order collapsed because there weren't enough police. When influential white businessmen and city officials saw the business district swarming with demonstrators, in addition to President John F. Kennedy demanding a resolution and sending Assistant Attorney General Burke Marshall to Birmingham to facilitate negotiations, white city leaders called a meeting with King. An agreement was made to desegregate lunch counters, businesses, and restrooms and improve hiring opportunity for black people in Birmingham. I think we served as a catalyst for change says Kelsey. Improvements hardly happened overnight in Birmingham. In September 1963, the Ku Klux Klan bombed the 16th Street Baptist Church, killing four black girls. Yet the civil rights movement kept up the momentum. And the following year, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964. My friends, if there was no Birmingham, there would have been no Civil Rights Act. It was a major victory for the Civil Rights Movement in its battles against unjust Jim Crow laws that marginalized Black Americans. The Civil Rights Acts of 1964 prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. There are eight key steps that ultimately led to the act's adoption. The Brown versus Board of Education, the Montgomery Bus Boycott, the Greensboro Sit-In, the Little Rock Nine, the Freedom Riders, the March on Washington, the Freedom Summer of 1964, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That, my friends, is how it happened. That's how it came about. The children of Birmingham, Alabama, paved the way for both the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And we've got to give them all the praise that they deserved because they took an awful lot for us, 
the beatings, the fire hoses, the dogs, the jail time, they stood their ground and refused to accept anything but change. So we thank you, brothers and sisters. We thank you for being there and taking the movement into your own hands and making the fight for equality for us a little more closer. The music once again tells me that it is that time. But before I go, I would like to leave you with this message. If you focus on the hurt, you will continue to suffer. If you focus on the lesson, you will continue to grow. Until next time, it's been my honor. <laughs>